Hello, welcome to the Dev Pact Podcast. My name is Chris. And I'm Sam. And today we're going to be talking about the Tale of Tales game Sunset. Uh, so Sam, what is Sunset? Uh, Sunset is an uh, exploration uh, narrative experience uh, by Tale of Tales. Um, and basically in this game you are playing Angela Burns in the 1970s and you are in some fictional uh, Latin American, Latin American yeah. dictatorship and you are the housekeeper. So Tale of Tales, many developers cite them as a big influence, yes, right? Yes. They're, they're, they're very well known as well. Um, they're not like just a small group of you know, artists hidden in the, in a cave. They won, uh, I think, multiple Nuovo Awards at uh, GDC and the IGF Awards. Of course, they also were like the foundational um, in the creation of the idea of not games, mm. right? Games which actively try to go against traditional gaming conventions and see what else the medium is capable of, which has led to the aforementioned games. Uh, an explosion in different types of experiences that we can have through this interactive medium. So this article, uh, they released it called, and it's called The Sunsets. So this is a blog they wrote yeah. following the release of their game. Yeah. Uh, which released about two weeks ago. And they revealed that it only sold about 4,000 copies. Now, looking at a bunch of Steam sales stats today, uh, we saw certain games like Ark, uh, Survival Evolved, just made $10, billion, $10 million, not billion, uh, over about a week-long period. So Sunset definitely did not sell very well, and they call it a commercial flop themselves. Um, so their article was sort of talking about the new direction they wanted to take and how they were sort of morally obligated to create a more commercial and mainstream game. When you say morally, I mean, it seemed more sort of financially obligated. Yeah, it's true. They, they actually say they had a moral obligation uh, in the article, but it's obviously a sustainability issue. Um, Tale of Tales have basically been funded by arts funds and uh, the Belgian government for 12 years, which is how long they've been making games. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe the money's dried up and they have to try something more sustainable. Right, right. They had a lot of uh, freedom before, but that freedom was afforded by government grants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, and this article basically, I don't know, it touches lots of different parts of gaming, like uh, marketing and the sorts of games people want to make. Um, what were your thoughts about it in general, like uh, as an initial read? Yeah, so I, I went into it wanting to really like it. Like when I found out what it was about, I didn't know about that's another issue we can talk about later but I yes. didn't know about it until this article you know in, in the article they, they they blame a lot of things on like the uh, market and yeah. said they tried to you know look at a lot of successful games and when I first started playing I think I, I started messaging you at that point actually and I was yeah. I was pretty angry because like the, the the initial experience in the game is is not at all welcoming to a new player right? yeah especially if I'm going to be comparing it a lot to what I think is the high watermark in this genre, which is Gone Home, right? Mm -hmm. Where the onboarding is, is flawless. Um, there are so many problems that come up in, um, in Sunset. Like, yeah. From the beginning, like, I'm in this very, we have this very crude um, display of an elevator. There's an instruction, the, the buttons are confusing for a start. There's an up button, right, which I assumed was the button I should press. Then I thought, yeah. oh, hang on a minute, there's loads of other buttons. So I went around, like, hovered my mouse over them all to figure out what they all were. One of them was instructions, so I thought, oh, 
I should do this first. I yeah. click it and out comes this block of text, yeah. right? It's like, well, <laughs> this game from the 1980s. And then in the, in the instructions, it says you might want to role play as yeah. Angela, which I thought was really odd for a game to tell me I might want to role play as Angela. Like, I can completely understand that that may be the intention of the game, but the way in which it was told just made me, just took me totally out of the experience. Yeah. It's like, you are playing a game, you must role play as Angela. Immediately, this is not what I want. I wanted to be sucked into this world. I didn't want yeah. to be thrown out of it. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting case because this game, uh, Tale of Tales, they said they wanted to try making a game for gamers. So, so when I was playing it, um, I didn't click instructions. I went straight into the game, and nothing made any sense to me. Um, but when you got the lift, she she's already talking, right? She's already telling you who she is, and we've already got the business of the character coming yeah. across. Like she's like what, like five years or something in university, and now yeah. I'm in this sort of. Tale of Tales sort of assumed you would read the instructions because a lot of things they don't explain, not even through you know environmental storytelling. Um, such as the choice of what sort of action to do, whether you do a warm, romantic action or a cold, neutral action. Mm. Um, I didn't know that was a thing until I you know, mistakenly pressed buttons on the main menu. Right, right. Um, I was using an Xbox 360 controller as well, so right. there's a lot of sort of menu browsing and, and issues with controls. That's true. I mean, I read that in the instructions on the way in, yeah. like you can lean the relationship one way or the other. But um, imagine if you didn't do that, right? And I think actually it would have been a better experience if you didn't, right? Because yeah. no one wants to see a block of text and start up a game. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we were talking before that you were you were mentioning how sometimes the decisions were very clear, right? Do you paint the wall this color or this color, right? Yeah. Do you do this action or this action? And the action is told environmentally. Yes. So you have like an actual option A or B. Whereas sometimes it was based on which bit of the object you were choosing. Like mm. if it was up, it was, you do the romantic thing about object. And if it's down, like more down on the object, you, you do the more sort of cold action, yeah. right? Um, I think at this point we should probably explain a bit more about the gameplay sure, of, of uh, Sunset. Yeah. So once a week, uh, an hour before Sunset, you arrive at Gabrielle's apartment and you have to do whatever the tasks are on this sort of checklist of things mm -hmm. to do. So it could be cleaning the floors, it could be washing the windows, uh, putting the mail on the table, that sort of thing. So. And the whole game is told in that one hour section before Sunset, yeah, right? Yeah. Week by so week. Yeah. As you go up the elevator to start work, there's an update on you know, the current situation and how Angela's feeling. Right, right. Uh, then when you're in the house, there's various objects in the house that you can interact with and she'll go have a little spiel or a diary mm -hmm. entry. Um, and then there's things you can interact with. So you don't just have to do the tasks on the list. You can also do right. lots of other things. And you sort of have to choose how to spend your hour of time before it runs out. Mm. Um, so that's that's basically the core gameplay. And already, that's set. a great framing mechanism. Yes, like you can already see from that, like it's very clear. Like week by week, you can have things change, and the way you affect things can have like um, uh, reciprocal actions, which yes. occur later. Um, um, and then I guess the other part of the gameplay is is well, not gameplay, is I suppose the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And each action you take, you can pick either the warm or the cold action. Is what they refer to it as, but. Um, there's a sort of tone of romance for the warm one, and sort of just... It's very blatant, actually, especially later in the game, it's, it's, yeah. it's very thickly laid on. Yeah, so as you're a housekeeper, you know, doing your job, you can also, I don't know, mess around in this guy's house in a sort of romantic way. I mm. felt the romantic actions were very weird. 
I think you could actually replace the word romantic with sociopathic, and <laughs> it would still work quite well. Yeah. For example, um, there's a there's a task to arrange this man's shoes, which are all over the floor of his walk-in dressing room. The cold action is to you know clean the shoes, put them in nice order, um, and you know then Ortega can you know pick his shoes with convenience. The warm slash playful option is to arrange them in a circle formation in the middle of the floor. And I mean, I guess it's cute, but if I was Ortega and I was walking back after sunset, I'd probably trip over. And then I'd be firing uh, Angela quite quickly. I, I almost saw it like a bit like a, you know, like a horror film. Just imagine if you came home and all your stuff was arranged yeah. in this cute, yeah, like, quote-unquote, like, cute paper way. You can arrange books. Uh, there's like a big pile of books yeah. later on. And you can arrange it the cold way, which is by title. You know, I think that's quite a logical, way. Yeah, logical yeah. way of arranging books, or by colour. See, when it went to colour for me, I was so happy. I was like, that's exactly what I would do. That was, <laughs> it was, I, I thought that was perfect. And that's why you're not the housekeeper. That is probably why I was fired from my job, housekeeping <laughs> for a man of great estate. Um, <laughs> that's a sentence which went on far too long. Actually, that's a, that's a, talking of things that go on far too long, that's another problem actually I had with Sunset, is that although the framing mechanism is great, the length it took to tell the story, I found was, was true. I think that this, yeah. this, this goes to one of the core problems with the experience for me, which was pacing. Yeah, I think we'll talk about it later, about the level of like author's control that Tale of Tales have over the game. Mm. Um, because me and you have very different experiences in the same house with the same quite linear gameplay. So mm. while I agree the pacing was extremely slow, um, I felt that the certain sort of touch points of the story, such as when uh, Angela's brother is in trouble, uh, I guess we should spoiler alert at this point. Yeah, Angela's brother is in trouble for a bit, and then she has these sort of very strong views about how Nothing can be solved with peace and words at one point. She gets really like, you know, we can't be diplomatic. We have to be violent rebels at right, one point. Right. And then I think about five minutes later, for me at least, mm-hmm. she was arranging her clothes in his guest bedroom <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. making playful I shoe had, structures. Um, and again, another um, spoiler warning. Like, after her brother died, she's mm-hmm. crying about it. I clicked on some activity and then immediately she started humming in a very yeah. carefree sort of way. Yeah, that was really... Uh, See, I mean, that, that kind of, like, um, actually is more fodder for your Angela as psychopath. Uh, yes, theory. yes. My brother just died. So there are multiple problems with it. And, and just to um, uh, underline my, my standpoint on this game is that I do not regret playing it at all. I think it was like what it was trying to do. I don't think yeah. it succeeded in it. And I think of all the Teletales projects that I've seen, I think this is the least successful, right? And we can talk about why it was um, not successful later. Um, but there were certain issues, like, for instance, technical issues, which prevented it from being a polished experience. Um, and then there are certain design issues, design problems yeah. as well. For instance, sometimes environmental storytelling, they do really well. Like, there are moments which are just great. Like, for instance, the art book, which, which uh, yeah. is always um, on some sort of thing that you can tell who's meditating on an idea, yeah. which has, like, a precedent in some sort of piece of art or in some sort of Grecian story. But I felt that the writing in general was about, you know, this sort of stuff, military junters and art and that sort of thing. Like, I felt it was quite textbooky. 
As in, like, they just read it on the back of some book. I mean, yeah, I think that, that's, that's part of what I was saying about being on the notes, right? It was very um, one-dimensional. Yeah, it wasn't nuanced yeah. at all. And also, I mean, not only was it one-dimensional, but it was telling you what to think, right? Yes. Which is, I think, a big problem with um, this medium, because this medium is a medium where you don't have to do that. This yeah. is a medium where you can really let people come to their own conclusions. Exactly, like you mentioned Gone Home earlier. Like, mm. that game has a sort of blank, slazy character, yeah. which you can empathize with. And, you know, there's mechanics in Gone Home, like yeah. picking up the, the objects and being able to look around them and stuff. And then you, as a blank slate character, can put yourself in that character's shoes and you can right. feel that nostalgia like you went through your kid's toy box after right. university. Right. Um, and, you know, that's that game was very immersive, whereas yeah. Angela is... I don't know, you, you have some control over your actions, but the tone of the control and the, the things she says mm. and what events you even have agency and uh, a viewpoint into... Uh, so detached from your character, or has gone home, yeah. you see and hear everything the character sees from his. Right, right. I mean, this is a very deliberate um, decision on their part, yes. right? Was to, I think at one point, I've forgotten where it was, but at one point they, they sort of boasted that Angela is not a blank yeah. slate character. And, I mean, I, I see this as a, as a huge design flaw. Right? Yes. I don't think it is possible. I think it's great that they tried, yeah. but I think this further strengthens my opinion, which is that you need blank slate characters. And Gone Home does it very well. In fact, they kind of mock it as well, right? So you're Katie, right, in Gone Home, and you do get a sense of who she is, like from her postcards, from the message left on the answering machine, from her old um, reports. Yeah. There's a great moment in, in Gone Home. Earlier in the game, you, have, you find Sam's sex ed assignment yeah. and so the assignment is they've got loads of sentences and you have to put them in order right and it's a story about like the menstruation cycle yeah and then sam puts in a huge sort of story and she like builds in all these characters and stuff and at yeah. the end like in red pen from the teacher says see me and then like later about must be about half an hour in terms of playtime yeah. maybe more later you're in the basement and you find katie as in your own one yeah. And it's exactly like as it should be. Yeah, and it's like, like a, a footballer. Exactly. I mean, she's blank, right? It's actually there's nothing to her. Like she's not interesting. It's great, yeah, because they they've masked the blankness by making her boring, right? Basically. Right. And right. that acts as a great foil to Sam because she's the rebellious problem child. Yes. You know, this, yes. Sam is who the story is about. Yes. Um, so they use the blank slate yeah. as a really, really strong design decision. It and it, it works so well because not only like you've had the experience before where you you're back home yeah. and you find your own postcards or something like that and you read it and it's, you don't remember writing. I, at least, maybe that's just me. I yeah. do not remember writing any postcard I've ever written. So yeah. when I was reading these postcards from her, like it did resonate with yeah. me. And also, like she doesn't know about her sister. You know they're close, mm. but you also know that there's a whole huge part of her sister that she doesn't know. So yeah. you are aligned with her at that point. You are exactly in the same position trying to find out about her. When we look at Angela... Yeah. It's very different. There's tons of stuff. I just she's saying stuff, and I'm like, where is this coming yeah, from? Yeah, I feel this is a huge, huge problem. Is that okay? I, I I had an issue with the whole idea that you're as a housekeeper leaving notes and cleaning up certain dirt patches, <laughs> yeah. and painting walls. So you wanted to get a good score, right? You wanted yeah, to be a good housekeeper. I wanted to be a good housekeeper, but the whole idea of a uh, of forming a relationship with someone through doing housekeeping tasks was really weird to me. Mm. But when when you go up in the elevator every day, it's like they've actually talked on the phone or they've actually right, had some right. other interactions outside of the house. Yeah. So I just don't know what's going on half the time. You're yeah. not partial to so much information. 
Yeah. All the good information as well. Like all the parts where Gabrielle sort of would change his mind and maybe become a revolutionary, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't see any of that. You see before when he's a wealthy, rich asshole and after when he's like stockpiling and saving all the art. Yeah, he certainly has a change of heart. Yeah, yeah you I don't feel... see the core interesting parts of the relationship. Right, right. The character arts almost feel as if they've had these huge bits like cut out of yeah, them. Right? We're well, just getting like snapshots. And they're the best bits. Like if you're yeah. making a game that's about romance and a relationship, mm-hmm. which is what this game is trying to do, you miss the chase, you miss the not knowing and the, the, the interactions with each other. And I think you could do that without seeing Gabrielle, which is what the game does. Yeah. But the snapshots they chose were just not good, I think. I think they chose the wrong angle to take this. And also, I mean, there are some weeks where nothing happened. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, maybe I missed it, I'm not sure, but it feels like I, I cannot see anything else that, that I meant to that find in this Yeah, like, this I, think, I think that it relates to the pacing, and, like, there are moments when when nothing happens, it makes, you know, those moments where something does happen so much more, uh, you know, engaging. Like, uh, if you spend, you know, four levels or four, like, weeks, you know, cleaning the floors, doing the dishes, and then suddenly a window smashes in the background while you're upstairs. Like, that was a really sort of scary moment right, in a way right. I thought, oh, no, the, the government are going to be there to take me away. Right, and this brings back to pacing issues, yes. right? Like, at that point, I remember my heart rate increased. I was like... Oh, it's happening, it's happening, something is happening right now. And I got really, really excited. You are waiting for those moments. The premise is that you're in a war zone and you're meant to feel, you know, unsafe. But I feel that it just does not do that very well. Um, and the few moments when it does do it well, like the glass breaking and there's a helicopter that comes at some point. Mm. It, it does well at that moment. And then, yeah, like you were saying, it goes straight back down to a sedentary level again. Mm. And it was interesting when, when we were talking about the premise before. Um, Chris mentioned this War of Mine, which is another game where you're a civilian in a war zone. And he was saying, oh, you know, it's pretty much a very similar concept. And I, I assumed that they'd be very different because in, in this War of Mine, you're, you know, scavenging and trying to survive. Um, and I thought that, you know, Sunset just, uh, as, as being a housekeeper in this, in this house, like, it should have done so many things that this War of Mine did in the way that you should feel uh, a threat feel that, you know, the, the, the military and its power is, like, oppressive on you. It's trying to say that, you know, she can't escape this country. She's stuck there. Mm. Um, and you get none of that feeling at all. That is interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah, you do get the feeling that she is trapped. But at the same time, you're in, you're in this incredible setting, right? You're in this beautiful place. I didn't feel endangered. The only time I really felt in danger was when there was that um, the, the window smashing. Yes. And then I thought... Has, Something has changed now. Yeah. But then afterwards, it went back to feeling very safe, yeah. very secure, which kind of like undermined the, the danger of the city outside. Yeah, it's just a very unbelievable experience. Like, I can see what they're trying to do, um, and they just failed, I think. Like, it mm. just, they missed so many points that they should have hit, um, just through the design, through the pacing, through where they decided to show you things and where they decided not to show you things. Um, yeah, I understand they want to make uh, you know, a, a good narrative experience, but uh, and they had to make it more accessible to gamers. But it's just been done so much better in so many other games, like Papers, Please, Gone Home, right. Stanley Parable. Those games are just extremely well designed. And I feel that, going back to the article and the tone of it, I think a lot of it just comes from a lack of respect for games and the way they... They wrote their article about how they had to compromise their, their morals and how they, 
they wouldn't, the, the mainstream gamer public would never ever like something they would like. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't make a game going in with that attitude. You would prefer them to, to show more respect for gamers? Maybe not. I mean, it's, it's because of the whole Gamergate issue, there's this big polarizing, you know, the, a bit like the Democrats and the Republicans. They're all being tarred with this brush that is just, it's not accurate and it's yeah. not fair. And I feel that if, if you're going to make a game and, you know, you make it for gamers, the view of the audience is just full of disdain. Like, they're not making the game for, you know, all the interesting developers they meet at GDC, the ones that vote for them at IGF Awards. Mm. They don't see gamers like, you know, those normal, interesting, uh, you know, innovative people. They see them as the people that send death threats and the people that threaten to bomb uh, Anita Sarkeesian's talks. Right, right. And of course they're not going to make a game with the passion and, you know, drive that they have when they're making it for that audience. That doesn't bother me so much, right? Because we need people like that. We need people who actively try to act against gamers' instincts, try to act against what gamers like. I think the only mistake, uh, the real mistake they ever made thinking that targeting gamers was the correct decision. Yeah. Which is why I'm quite happy now they said they've quit games, because I'm hoping that means that they'll be making interactive experiences which they no longer market as games, and therefore they can market to an audience which can be more appreciative. Yeah. I mean, I think my initial reaction to the to the article was that they did compromise, and they compromised mm. in all the wrong areas. Like, they didn't make it... They made it too arty, even though they toned it down. They didn't tone it down enough. If you're gonna, if you're gonna make a game for gamers, and you want to compete against, you know, the high quality games of early ac- early access now has like you know high quality polished games. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna make a game for that audience, you know, you need to fix the bugs. You need to fix, you know, just general design and UI issues. Like that, I missed whole parts of the game because it was just not explained very well at all. Um, so yeah, if you're going to make a game for those people, you need to have you know that sort of, I wouldn't say work ethic, but quality standard you need to reach. Um, and you know they had the, the this artistic side in it, and it was very you know the the main character is a black female housekeeper. That's you can't get much more diverse than that, I suppose, if you're looking at the general gamer protagonist. Right, right. Um, Said that amongst actually a theme of like Western oppression. Yeah, yeah, in the 70s. Mm. Um, And the whole, most of the interactions that Gabrielle and uh, Angela have are about art history and, you know, art appreciation. That's not going to appeal. And many of the comments on uh, Reddit, for example, discussing the article mention that. I mean, they... If they want to make a game for gamers, they need to make a game for gamers. Things are, I'm, I'm not, is not that. I, I also wonder what they meant when they said gamers too, because I think that could appeal. Like, they had um, examples, great examples, where it does work, right? Yeah. Like, papers, please. I just can't relate to it. I think maybe it's because I'm not into, the, like, art theory and stuff. And, like, I don't know. I, maybe, I think the issue with that I have with a lot of Sunset is that the author thinks that you will do certain things. They imagine that you are this sort of player that will, you know, turn over every stone, go to every button, tap everything. So sort of so they assume that you've got all these little Easter eggs story sort of segments that you're yeah. going to piece yeah, yeah, together yeah. to make this relationship work. But for me, I didn't explore enough, I suppose. I wasn't that player. I went through the main points and I did everything that was I could find, essentially. Um so when when she falls in love with this guy or whatever, 
like it just fell so out of the blue and her opinion just flip flopped so that's, much that's interesting so you think you didn't explore enough and you were like you were like chucked out of the story for not like seeing yeah. her point of view like I, I felt I, I was on the other end of the spectrum so I, I think I spent a lot longer in game with yeah. me, right exploring around and there were some sort of plots that I thought were going to develop and I thought I was being really smart for figuring out like at one point I thought it was a whole the big ruse like that yeah. she was being played for her brother like she didn't know that he knew that her brother was in the revolution and yeah. she was going to get killed, or something like this, right? And then I didn't play, and I thought, okay, that's good. Well, Taylor Tales are now having an assassination. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, there was another moment as well, like, I don't know if you noticed this, but every time I went to the apartment, there was this robot, this, this weird sort of toy, it's a robot on a toy mm. counter. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Each time it moved, right? <laughs> and it moved into a place, like, often it was where you were meant to go for an objective, and I thought, like, I looked at its eyes, it had sort of green eyes, I thought, <laughs> there's a camera in those eyes and it's this is a big this. setup and later I thought they were going to do like we did in um, in Lullaby I thought at the end they were going to have a camera that was going to show you what you were doing yeah. and show that he was spying on you the whole time <laughs> from that media thing yeah. and then that didn't happen like I didn't hear anything about that little robot thing so I was like oh so what was the point I thought I had this relationship with the game actually with the author I thought yeah. I was communicating with the author and we were having this little like repartee yeah, about like, oh, oh I got it I, I saw you did that it. there yeah exactly and then nothing came from it. And there was a massive letdown. Like, when I reached the end credits, and, like, you know, of course, like, you have the sunrise. It was inevitable, right? Um, I was like, oh. So all of that stuff, like, all of the stuff I thought was going to happen didn't happen. It was exactly what I thought was going to happen. I just fell in love with Ortega. Um, and, again, this is where we come to technical issues, too, because there's, like, one moment where you're going up in the lift, and it's, it's really weird. Like, at one point... And you're going up, and the note is like, we did it, set the dinner table and wait for me. But the voiceover is, the Americans are going to invade. If they do it too quickly, then everything is over. I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, what, which one is correct here? Like, yeah, I'm sure it was a, just a bug is or something what, like that. Is that but, what Ortega was saying they did? They brought the Americans in? I, no, no, Ortega was... Does that work? You, you didn't want the Americans in. That was it. Oh, like, Ortega was against the Americans. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a US-sponsored coup. And so if the uh, America backed it, and if they sent more troops, then Ortega and you, your plan would have like um, gone under, right? Yeah. Um, so no, it was a bad thing that the Americans were coming. So we had these two conflicting bits of information. It may have just been a bug, but even if it wasn't a bug, if they were like one day out, yeah. you go from one day, <laughs> it might fail, to yeah. the next day, it being okay, for no reason whatsoever. Like you just press down, and then it's a new thing. So I mean, essentially, just to bring this back to what we were talking about earlier, I think the reason why something like this is going to sound very vague as well, but I think the reason why something like Gone Home, Papers, Please, Stanley Parable work is just due to storytelling, yeah. right? It's the way they use the silent protagonists. It's the way they use their environment to tell stories. It's the way they imbue the environment with all these little games. I remember before I was mentioning to you, like, the tiny ways in which Gone Home makes games, like, you pick up a cassette tape, and there's something written on the inside spine, and yeah. so you're twisting it around trying to read it, right? That's a moment you have with an actual object yeah. that like helps like create a connection with that. We had a similar moment as well in um, in Sunset, right? Yeah. So there's a moment where Ortega is out of the country, and you are just cleaning one room at a time because each time you go to the house, you can only open one door. And the way you do this is you go to this media center, you press the button. And then this is what, what happened to me. I pressed the button, and then on the screen next to it, you got this distorted view of the door that just opened. And so I thought, oh, this is great. So now they're testing my knowledge of the house, so I've got to figure out where this is and then go there. And I did this for like, uh, I think it's like five days or something, right? It's a great right? puzzle, right? 
It's a great puzzle. And it's great because it, it, it strengthens your connection with the home. And the home is the most important, or at least should be the most important yeah, thing in this game, right? So I thought, oh, this is, what a great idea. But you had a different experience with this. Yeah, so for me, I... This, this period in the game, actually, it's not the whole game where you can only open one door. Um, there's like a period, I think, of about eight to ten sort of turns where you go into the house, you press this button on the control panel and it opens the door. For the first four turns for me, I pressed the button and I didn't notice that screen and I didn't actually know what had opened. Um, this is a big problem in general with the game because I couldn't find half the stuff. Um, so what they've done is they put when you mouse over or put your reticle over the button, it says open door to the garden or open door to the living area or whatever. Um, and I missed that for like four turns because, yeah, they just did not communicate this sort of stuff. And I mean, that uh, maybe I should have been more slow and careful, I suppose. Maybe I need to be a better housekeeper. But, but that's a, an interesting question. I think that's, again, I'm going to return to Gone Home, like um, opening shot of Gone Home in terms of like environmental design, right? Because yeah. that's what I think this is. Um, you have the door, right? So clearly you have an objective. You have to go through the door. But also in the bottom right of the screen, you have a tag, right? For your, you've just heard the um, answering machine message. That gives you an idea of what's happening. You've got a tag from a bag, right? So the first instinct you have is, what's that tag, right? Yeah. It's either going to be go to the door or what's the tag. You look at the tag, it's got your name on it. You immediately know who you are, yeah. right? And then you're in this sort of the, like tutorial section where it like, go, takes you through the controls. Mm. Um, then let's look, compare that to this button scene, right? Yeah. So I didn't see the mouse over, yeah. right? So it, it, it completely, that passed me by. Yeah. For you, you didn't see the TV screen, yeah. which maybe that wasn't important, I know, but if that was important, then that yeah. was a great moment. They, yeah. I mean, that's a great moment to create. I would have they a way, exactly, to how can we guide you, the player, to that experience? I think that this always happens when you do sort of puzzle design and any sort of design of your own game is that you have way too much knowledge as the designer. You know all these systems in and out, right, and you right. can't assume people will just find these things. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you could argue that lots of games are too hand-holdy nowadays, and I agree with that. Um, and but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we're about, not talking right? about hand-holding. We're talking about just simple, good, visual, and environmental design. Right. Like You can't assume someone's going to be looking one way when they're not. I mean, I liked it as an idea, um, but apart from that, I just feel there's too many execution issues not enough good design into what they were trying to do. Um, and yeah, they're just fundamental flaws, of, even with the idea, actually, like the whole idea of having a non-blank slate protagonist, um, just the whole idea of being a housekeeper, falling in love with your boss. Yeah, it, a lot of it just didn't work for me. Um, so yeah. You think that could have worked, though? Maybe. I think they needed more time to try stuff out. Mm. I think the, the game feels generally quite rushed. Mm. Um, and, you know, it seems the scope maybe too high for what their budget was. Mm. So, so let's look at the uh, the wider context of this, like for instance, reactions. You have some, uh, they're not gonna be the most balanced of reactions. Actually, <laughs> let me just say as well that like, um, developers, uh, by and large, have taken to Twitter to defend uh, Tale of Tales against a lot of negative feedback they've been receiving. Yeah, so so people, so the, the article was linked on a, the games Reddit and the game dev Reddit. Um, the game dev Reddit was, uh, I guess, a lot more professional. The comments and a lot more uh, unbiased. But the games Reddit had a sort of very polarizing effect, and there were lots of comments that sort of were just not very nice. Um, so Tale of Tales responded to these comments with. 
Goodbye, gamers. May you die in the same agony that you caused to thousands of defenseless virtual creatures. Uh, which I felt was quite unprofessional, I guess. Like, she, uh, yeah. I mean, let's go over some comments. So I'll start. This is so this is what they're that was their reaction, right? Yeah. And this is what they're reacting to. Yeah, this okay. is what they're reacting to. So the most upvoted comment was by Mr. Sirius. So this was his comment. I just visited its Steam store page. Why don't devs put some goddamn gameplay in their trailer videos? Sunset's preview video is just one of these cinematic trailers and neither the description nor the screenshots tell me much about this game. I think it's hard because we expect a um, game trailer to be game-based, which yeah. appeals to these sort of gamers. Yeah. Whereas what they're trying to do is more literary, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to have a cinematic trailer, I suppose, for a story-based game. But when you're trying to appeal to gamers and you're, you know, you're you're making your buying decision as a as a consumer, yeah, you need to know what you're getting. I, I think that's a good point. I mean, what is a trailer for? It's to sell the game, right? So you need to do whatever sells the game best. And in that way, uh, yeah, perhaps the trailer was misjudged. Mm. The thing is, though, I don't know, like, how would you do a trailer for this game? I mean, it's a hard game to make a trailer for. I mean, because yeah. if you just show the actions, what you're doing, it's that's not where the, the interest of the game lies. I suppose this is a hard game to sell through gameplay. Because, mm. um, I mean, honestly, who's going to buy it looking right. at the gameplay? Because the decisions only make sense in context yeah. of the, the story. Yeah, but I mean, still, like when you're charging like $20 or however much this game is, it's not cheap, mm. especially for an indie game. Um, yeah, people need to know what they're getting into. And like, yeah. you've got to go on YouTube to watch a Let's Play to find out what you actually do. Uh, yeah, so next comment. So that was, I think that was a pretty uh, respectful comment, I suppose. I mean, it had a point. It wasn't rude. Maybe it had a little attitude in, but come on. Give it a 7 out of 10. It's the internet. 7, seven out of 10, seven out of 10 comment. comment. Okay. Uh, so here's another comment by M7G. Just did a bit of research. Looks like one of those weird art games that I would never play. Those things require some serious marketing to get out to as many people as humanly possible. True. These types of games are very, very niche, and you need to get your message out far and wide to find all the people that would play it. Mm. I mean, there's nothing to argue with there. Yeah. That's, that's essentially saying games need marketing. No yeah. arguments here. <laughs> I'd give it 8 out of 10. Now, the next comment, at least two comments, are probably what Tale of Tales were angry about. Um, and this is, I wouldn't say this is typical of the comment thread, and this is why I think they've overreacted and they're a bit, I don't know, I think they jumped the gun on, on judging everyone. But they're just basically judging everyone by the lowest common denominator. So this is by, you are an individual. Wow. Reading through that blog post, they're a tad full of themselves, no? Oh, that's it? Yeah. That's, that's the it. whole thing? Yeah. Okay, what's the other one? A response to that by shit on my balls is, yeah, that first paragraph alone reeks of condescension. And I think Tale of Tales know that they're, like you were saying, agitators. In, yeah. in that initial article, they even said that the PR company told them to basically, what would they say to, to Michael? Yeah, I'm going to get the exact quote, actually, because it's so good. <laughs> like, this is from the bottom of their blog, and they're talking about things they did to try and sell the game. And it said, we worked hard presenting a gentler tale of tales to the public, which basically meant that Michael was forbidden to talk in public. There is some extremely valid criticism in there, and they need to listen to this sort of stuff. I mean, I'd say if they ever want to make another game. I think it's really tricky for them as well, because they've received a lot of glowing reviews, right? Especially if you look on Metacritic, like, most of them were glowing reviews. And I think... That is because, I mean, I've been 
are reading through a few of them, and I think a lot of them actually feel the way I do, which is that they love that this game exists, and they want to support it, yeah. right? And I think, who wouldn't want to support something like this? I, I would say, like, it would take someone who would only kill defenseless creatures to not want okay. this sort of game to exist. Um, but, but, there is, but there is an issue, because even, like, even though there are parts in the game I really liked, even though I liked the company, even though I thought there were the brief, the design brief of the game is great, it still is not the level of quality it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually disagree that the reviews are glowing. Like, I the think reviews were great. I mean, like, Edge gave it like a 9 out of 10. The game is bad. Okay, but that's, it's, it it's not, I, I don't, I think it does fail, but I don't think it's bad. I think I got more from playing this game than I've got from playing a lot of traditional games, right? Like, if I was to play, um, for instance, yeah, the upcoming Doom, let's talk about, let's talk about E3 for a moment, bring those games in. If I were to play those games, I would get less enjoyment from it. I'm quite sure about this, unless there's a moment in Doom that, where you really start to understand like, these monsters yeah, and where they come from. I don't yes. think I, as a, as a player, would get as much from that, right? Because there, think about it as well, there's, there's a lot of design went into this game, right? Yeah. That does not go into a game like Doom, for instance. There are a lot of design flaws in Doom. Like, you look at the latest Doom trailer, like, is there going to be, like, a 20-second cutscene every time I try yeah. to kill a monster, right? That's a bad design decision. Yeah. And it really shows up in something like Sunset because they do not have all the money to cover it up with, like, gore and special effects and all of this nonsense, right? So, I mean, I disagree that it's a bad game because it does a lot of things right. Yes, it makes a lot of mistakes, but it makes a lot of mistakes because it's trying new things. Mm. And I think that is reflected in a lot of reviews of it, right? It's, it notices that actually, as a game, yes, it's, it's um, less sophisticated than a lot of these AAA titles. Yeah. But at the same time, it's making a bigger leap forward than them. But I think the compromises they made restricted it from actually doing that. It doesn't make a great leap forward, I feel. I feel the, the characters are diverse and the theme is interesting. Mm -hmm. But it is just a poor man's gone home. Gameplay-wise. Uh, but I think that, that is and a problem as well. Like, us, right? I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think it was a failure in terms of what it wanted to do, but I do think it did a lot of things right. And I think to, I think we have been comparing a lot to Going Home, which I think is a little unfair, because we wouldn't compare two first-person shooters I that know. were so different like this. W would we really? They're not that different. We, the only reason we compare Gone Home and Sunset a lot is, yes, there are things that they can learn from each other, right? But they're still very, they're doing very different things in sure. terms of what the, the story they're trying to tell. I just have a quote from Edge magazine here from Metacritic, which says, um, a quiet game within which burns a fierce revolutionary spirit. I, I mean, mean who, whose revolutionary spirit? I guess it's, it's playing on the tale of tales, right? Yeah. yeah, have this antagonistic, rebellious yeah. uh, attitude. But, I mean, is that a reason to give the game a great review? Yeah, I think it depends, actually, from which perspective you see this. And I think this is the issue, right? You can either see it as an unfun, boring, non-game, right? Or you can see it on the other extreme as a, yeah, like a um, this uh, revolutionary, avant-garde experience. Yeah. Or you can see it, like, the way I see it is a bit in the middle, like something with these great intentions that did not fulfill on its promises. So, yeah, I'd give it about a 5 out of 10. You give it a 5 out of 10? Right, right in the middle. 5 out of 10, that's, uh, that puts you under the Metacritic score. Yeah, I know. Five five out that out gives you, is that a red Metacritic? It's a negative review, 5 out of 10. Oh, my goodness. You know, it was a bit like when uh, lots of industry veterans moved into the free-to-play industry on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Brenda Romero, uh, Brian Reynolds, uh, Soren Johnson, and uh, Sipor, and Sip2, I think. 
uh, with Brian Reynolds and Sean Johnson. And, you know, they went into the industry, and these are veteran, skilled game designers. Um, and the products they released didn't push anything forward. They, a lot of them, uh, Richard Garriott, Lord British, made a, uh, a terrible free-to-play game called Ultimate Collector. It was absolutely abysmal, and I think you can see that same sort of disdain for and lack of respect for the audience and those types of games um, in Sunset. And so I don't agree with Taylor Tales that their audience is capped or that, that you know they're making games for no one. I mean, right. there's so many people, so right. many people. Like four thousand copies is not a marketing failure, really. It's it's a failure that. Well, no, it's a pure marketing failure. Sorry. Yeah. So you're saying it's not a failure of the the product; it's a failure of marketing. Yeah, I mean, and, and their branding, I suppose, mm. and that they haven't done enough social media. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is a this is a big issue that you know every independent developer has is getting your game out there yeah. on the storefront. Four thousand copies, like I think, like Farm Simulator twenty thirteen probably sold more than that in the last Steam sale. And it's twenty fifteen. So I mean, four thousand copies, especially mm. when you have Kickstarter, mm. the overfunded. It was absolutely appalling. So, yeah, I just kind of wonder like what market they thought they were creating it for. Because it doesn't seem to fit any particular thing. Like when I found out it had Wasab controls, yeah. like, I was actually really disappointed when I saw that. So I thought that How it do you usually control uh, like the path? Like is that was that first person? That was that was third person, but it was also Wasab. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think actually it disappointed me because I thought that they're in a great position to really try and reach new audiences, mm. right? So why would you then... Because, I mean, part of the Not Games Manifesto is looking at um, conventional ideas and throwing them away and, like, trying to think, how else can we do this? And when you have something like WhatsApp Control that automatically ties you to a certain audience, right? You've already shackled yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's not like your mom is going to pick up a WhatsApp game. When they say they don't want to make games anymore, I, I really hope that doesn't mean they're exiting yeah. the industry completely. Yeah, I Instead, mean, I hope that means that they're changing the way we think about these experiences. Rather than having games, we have interactive experiences, which means they can break away from these old models, these old ideas, and this old audience. Yeah, I think it's, for them, like, when they, they, they said, uh, creativity still burns wildly in our hearts, but we don't think we'll be making video games after this. Mm -hmm. And if we do, definitely not commercial ones. And I think when they say video games, yes. they obviously mean no yes. more. I think it's very deliberate. What they decided to do with Sunset, they will never do that again. Yeah. Um, which is good. Yeah. Um, I think they should do what they want to do. Yeah. But yeah, they need to find alternate revenue streams, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, which is, uh, I, I'm sure we're going to talk about this more in the future on this podcast. So we hope that you've enjoyed listening to our ramblings on Sunset <laughs> today. If you have any thoughts, you can visit us on devpack.com where you can find out more about the projects that we are creating um, as well as our writings on the industry at large. See you next time.